0: Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. This week, we have a special guest with us to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. All right. Good morning, everybody. It's really good to uh, see you all today. I'm really excited to be before you. We have a, a good amount of scripture to go over. One thing I'll be preaching about today is uh, probably the biggest way that God is currently changing me. Uh, I may have said this before, but I once heard someone who studied under John MacArthur, they, um, they were listening to him one time, and he made a, a very, very big statement that stuck with the, another pastor that I listened to very frequently. And John MacArthur, he said, Men, never ever try to live up to your preaching. Only preach what you're living. And so that had a big impact on me. And so that's the way I've tried to handle the things that I preach about from that point forward is preach on the ways that God is changing me on the inside. And so if everyone will, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 24. That's where we're going to be starting. I'm going to go through a good amount of scripture before we get to uh, kind of unpacking that, and then towards the end we'll get to the practical. You know, how do I let this scripture change my life on just a day-to-day basis? Uh, Before we start reading that, uh, when I was first announced as a member. And thank you all for accepting me, by the way. Jamie asked me, was there anything I wanted to say? And there was nothing off the top of my head that I wanted to say. But I thought more and more and more on it. And actually, there is something that I would like to say. Um, I want to let you know that I'm not here because it somehow gives me maybe a, a better reputation or I think this is a good group of people that I can get something out of. I wanted to become a member of this church for this one reason for what I have to give the other members. Uh, if, I'm not, if I'm sick, I'm not worried about, you know, who calls me. I'm worried about who I can call. I'm not worried about, you know, how, how this group of people can serve me. Uh, my concern is how can I serve this group of people. So at the end of the day, I don't want to be served, but rather I want to serve. That's why I want to join this church. Uh, So I want to let everyone know that I'm willing to share all of my possessions. If it's within my name that I'm willing to share it and help out anyone with anything that's within my power to share and uh, to give. And I want to live by Christ's example. He came to serve, not to be served. He came for what he could give not for what he could get. And so that's how I want to conduct my membership here at this church is not what I can get from you all, but rather what I can give to you all. So if I have to say anything about uh, being a member, that's what I have to say. So thank you for listening. Let's go ahead and uh, start in Matthew chapter 24. We're going to start in verse 42. Then we're going to flip over to 25, probably for the bigger chunk of the reading. We'll read that, Uh, we'll spend a moment in prayer about what we read, then we'll start unpacking. So Matthew chapter 24, take a look at verse 42. Matthew chapter 24, verse 42. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming, but be sure of this, "...that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour which you do not think he will. Who then is the faithful and prudent slave whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed or blessed is that slave whom his master finds doing so when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master's not coming for a long time and begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards, The master of that slave will come on a day which he does not expect him and at an hour which he does not know and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites and that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's go ahead and uh, before we get to the next section of reading, let's just uh, take a moment to pray right now. Our Lord and our God, we thank you so much for giving us the opportunity and the privilege to come together in a free country where we can read your word free of any persecution, God, or worried about having our heads cut off in church. You got, it's such a blessing that we don't even realize it most of the time. Right now, Lord, we ask that you please open the eyes of our heart and please give us understanding of the text in your word that we're going through And not just that we memorize the information or learn some new information, but the actual word changes us from the inside out. As God, we know that your word is powerful enough to do that. So, God, we ask this of you right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So, now, if everyone will flip the page over to. Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. And by the way, while everyone's turning there, I want to reread verse 48. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time, begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards, in other words, relax, and not care about why we're supposed to be here, he will be assigned a place with the unbeliever. And remember, you know, the slaves... Most of those slaves, I guess you could say in these parables, are professing believers. They are professing to be slaves of that master. But there's a group of professing believers, and many of us know people right off the top of our head, where they think, I don't have to worry about that right now. I've actually heard someone say, I'll worry about that you know, when I get older and you know, I'm about to die. That's when I'll worry about that. It's almost just like the, uh, the rich man who said, you know, I've become rich and wealthy. I've stored up so much. What I'll do is, you know, I'll tear down my old barns and I'll build uh, bigger ones to store stuff in. And what was he told? You know, you fool, don't you know that your life will be demanded of you this very day? You know, none of us know when we have to punch our time card. You know, that's what it's kind of saying. You know, he'll come in an hour you don't expect. Your life will be demanded in an hour you don't expect. We're supposed to be living our life as if if he could come today. And being obedient to that level. Matthew chapter 25, verse uh, 14. It is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and handed over his possessions to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. But he who had received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you handed, me fi- or you handed five talents over to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master." Also the one who had received two talents came up and said, "Master, you handed over two talents or you handed two talents over to me. See, I have gained two more talents." His master said to him, "Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master." The one who had also received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seeds. Let me pause right here before I keep reading. Do you see this one slave's attitude towards the master? Isn't it a little bit different? The others... They immediately knew that their master was their master. They apparently thought highly of their master. They wanted to work for their master, and they successfully, um, I guess you could say, doubled what their master had entrusted them with. You don't see any ounce of complaining about their uh, master. You don't see any negative view about the master. But then you see this one slave kind of, I guess you could say, uh, aligning, or no, not aligning, but belittling the master, calling him a harsh man, saying that he's reaping where he is not sowing, almost in such a manner that he's saying, you're not worthy of it, You, you don't have any entitlement you know, to get what I produce. It's a pretty negative attitude towards the master. Verse 25, And I was afraid, and I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and, the, and gather where I scattered no seed. Therefore, you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on arrival I will receive my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him, and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But the one who does not have, even what he has shall be taken away. And throw out the worthless slave, into the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, so all of us in this room, we profess to be slaves of Jesus. Uh, And we can kind of measure, get a pretty good gauge of our worth based on the fruit that we're producing. Let me go ahead and clear up a misconception that I used to have. I very, very used to commonly mistake me producing fruit for me gaining a lot of head knowledge about what the Bible says we should be doing. Is anyone else in the room guilty of that? I know good and well I'm guilty of it. I think as long as I've got this information down pat and I'm able to teach this information, not that I actually do teach it, just that I know it well enough to teach it, that that was me producing fruit, that was me being faithful and obedient. But at the end of the day, was that me producing fruit? No. I can produce fruit by showing that love and practicing what that knowledge brought. But if it only stays up here, I'm not producing any fruit. It's kind of the way James referred to it as only being a hearer of the word. You know, I've, I've met plenty of people, they were very, very inclined to the academia of the scriptures, but they never wanted to step into the practice of what they learned. And I think a lot of us really fall into that category a lot more than we are proud to admit, should I say. So this slave was worth less, meaning what he produced had no worth whatsoever. If you ever go into Walmart and um, you're looking for, you know, chicken or, you know, some sort of fruit, and it only had, you know, rotted or, you know, uh, meat that just didn't look that good, it had a lot of blood in it, and it's almost, to you, it's like worth less. I would rather have no meat at all than to have that meat. Or I would just rather, you know, not have any bananas than to get, you know, that batch of bananas. You know, it it came across as that worth less type value. Because it wasn't able to produce anything good when you brought it home. See, we're the exact same way. We can live our lives and have habits in our lives in such a way that we can be worth less slaves because we're not producing anything of worth but rather we just develop those habits that, in my case, convinced me that I was producing but at the end of the day I wasn't practicing it. So then we'll keep reading and this kind of brings a little bit of clarity to the previous ones and I'm sure a lot of you have this memorized. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne, verse 32, and all the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one for another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right, put the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom which has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And this next verse is going to be a a pinnacle verse, I guess you could say, to the rest of the message, so please pay attention to this. And the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. One thing that's changed me and how I love other people is, I guess you could say, the frame in which I viewed people. We see right here that these good and faithful slaves are getting accredited to feeding Jesus when he was hungry. Do you know why they asked Jesus when? We, when have we ever seen you hungry before? Why are they asking that? Because it's not like Jesus is standing right here and you, know, you see his ribs and he's hungry. Jesus, you know, let me run to Walmart and get you a plate of food. No, Jesus credits that when we love one another, it's as, it's as if we love Jesus himself. When my mind shifted to that frame, It all of a sudden was a lot easier to start loving people, not that are easy to love. And by the way, anyone can love people that are easy to love. We're commanded to people that are hard to love. Which, if we're being honest, in many cases, that are our own selves at times. So Jesus credits us to loving one another as us loving him. Like I said, that changed everything For me when I really wrapped my head around that. Think about it kind of like this and this is an analogy that really kind of I guess you could say helped refine that right there. Uh, I look at it uh, my wife for example. If I was out of town and she got a flat tire on the side of the road And, um, you know, she didn't know how to change it, which I assume she doesn't know how to change it. But someone stopped and they helped her change the tire so that she could get back going, you know, again. You know the way I would view that? Yeah, that person helped uh, helped my wife. But at the end of the day, they helped me. That was a favor. I feel like I'm indebted to that person because they did that for my wife. Let me put it in maybe a different example. And, um, man, I'm sure you can really relate to this, but at the end, of, everyone can relate to this. If someone spoke an uncalled for harsh word to my wife, let me put it like this. That person would be much better if they would have just spoken that to me. Because if you speak it to me, I can deal with it, I can roll with it, and, you know, I can move on. But if you speak it to her, now all of a sudden, it's not just a deal with it and move on. Now you've actually stirred up a, a very, very big anger inside of me. Because in the, uh, in the instance you did it for her, I view it as it would have been it's worse than just doing it for me. Does anyone in this room see things just like that? Probably a lot of us do. Uh, Those who have children, would you rather someone speak a harsh, uncalled for, disgusting insult to your child, or would you rather them just speak it directly to you? Of course, you would rather them say it directly to you, because if you say it to them, now all of a sudden, you're not just, you know, kind of angry, you deal with it and roll on. Now you're infuriated by the event what are we referred to as to Christ? His bride, right? So think about it. In the exact same way, if someone changed Layla's tire, it's like they did it for me, and I'm even more grateful because, you know, I wasn't there to do it. Of course, Jesus is always with us. not like he's just absent or anything, but That brings so much clarity to this section of Scripture, and like I said, it's what's changed me and how I just see everything, is when I show compassion towards someone else, Jesus credits that as if I'm doing it for Him. Now let me ask you this, if anyone saw Jesus right here standing on stage and he had a need, doesn't even matter what it is it could be hey could you run to china and back you know and get me a a tootsie roll everyone every one of us in this room would be racing through those doors and anthony's phone would be blowing up to you know fly us out there you know right we would do anything no matter how trivial it seems we would be willing to do anything for jesus yet you know if someone if glenn said you know hey guys uh, will you please just run over to Lynchburg to get me a Tootsie Roll? We would say, Glenn, don't you have two legs and two arms? You know, it, you see what I'm saying? You know, it's that level of viewing one another as more important, as if we're working for Jesus, not just for eye service. So then let's keep reading, and then we're going to move on uh, out of Matthew here. <coughs> Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, and the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in naked, and you did not clothe me, sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you. He will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. That's that same connection that I'm talking about. These will go away into eternal uh, punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. The next passage we're going to be going over is based in 1 John. If you want to be uh, flipping there. So when we love one another, it's as if we love Jesus himself. Are you not his temple? Think about it in that manner. Is our bodies not the temple of the living God? Does the Holy Spirit of the living God not live inside of you? Therefore, should we not love one another with that in clear sight? You know, if I love someone else, especially those of the household of faith, I'm loving, I'm showing compassion, I'm serving God. And he, he clearly you know, tells us this message over and over. And of course, the, uh, the unbelievers in the previous parables, it represents those who are unwilling to take the return of Jesus seriously. So First John, take a look at uh, chapter 2, verse 3. And once we get done going through these scriptures, we're going to talk a little bit more of the practical of, okay, so how can I be changed on a day-to-day manner? because of this scriptures because of these scriptures first john chapter 2 verse 3 and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments verse 9 through 11 the one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in darkness until now The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness blinded his eyes. All right, so now we've read a whole lot of scriptures, and like I said, none of this is new information. But at the end of the day, how can we learn to serve on a deeper level? How can we learn to love on a deeper level? A phrase that I grow to hate more and more and more is, we're commanded to love each other, not to like each other. Uh, I used to go around saying that because really it gave me an excuse not to have compassion for people, Uh, especially for the people that I... Honestly, I didn't want to have compassion for them. Uh, They got on my nerves or they did this or, you know, I just really didn't like them, you know, either way, you know. And so I would use that as kind of a self-excuse. But the more I read this, the more I see that's not what God commands. But he commands a love and a compassion that is supposed to be felt with one another. I think I was saying this in the room not too long ago. You want to know one of the things that I'm getting better at. I used to be super guilty of this, but God is changing me in this area. And I don't know if anyone else is guilty in this room, but I'm willing to bet money that there is. How many of you have ever asked the question, hey, how are you doing today? And Honestly, if you were being truthful with yourself, you really didn't care about the answer, as long as it wasn't a bad answer. And if it was a bad answer, you really, oh, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. You you really didn't want to pry into why because you you had somewhere to be and, you know, you just really didn't care. Does anyone else understand that concept? Because I know good and well, I do. (laughs) You know what God is changing me to think and feel? I do care about the answer that's rare most people that ask how are you doing it's really just a a common courtesy to make that little small talk where it's not so much that it's into a full conversation but enough to where well it's better than just flat-out ignoring them which is sometimes what we would just like to do right you know, because we got somewhere to be, we got something to do, you know, we're, we're so focused on doing something that anything that might sidetrack us from that goal or getting what we need to get in the grocery store is almost just like, you know, a pain. It's a drag you're going know, to have to do. So we, <clears throat> we make a small, uh, small talk just to sort of keep our head above water what we think. But do we really care? Because, look, those that I care about, like, let me me give you an example. Many of you can relate to this. If I ask my wife, you know, hey, how was your day today? I care about the answer. With your spouse, do you care about the answer? With your children, if you ask your child how your day is, let me ask you this. Do you want them to say, fine, and then go to the room? Every parent loves that, right? No, you genuinely want to know, you know, how's your day? You know, what happened? You know, did anything make you mad? Did anything, you know, excite you? You care about the answer. God is changing me in a way that I care about the answer because He's giving me a compassion that I've never had before in my entire life about uh, compassion for people. Not just one that's stored up here, but one that can be felt believe it or not, I'm a major introvert. Layla's an extrovert, so you can see where we get along all the time in this area. She's always wanting to go out, be with people to do stuff, and I'm like, can we just stay at home? I'd really rather avoid people if I can. You know, know, when I have little social interactions, it's like, I need to go home and recharge the battery. It just exhausts me. But God is changing me in a way to where I actually want to be around people. Not because I, I, I'm a social person all of a sudden. It, he's giving me a growing care for people. Like I said, one that I've never had before. I don't even know how to explain it. But you want to know what preceded that? Because this, this was always my thing. What's your secret? You know, are, are you, you've got to be faking it. What preceded this change in me is two things, prayer and belief. Do you know how many endless days I pray, God, will you please give me a compassion and a heartfelt love for people? Not just the you know, two or three that I want to be around, but for everybody. And it didn't happen overnight, but he's changed me slowly. And so you know what? It's not just, let me go you know, try to feed this homeless person you know, and then still not care about the answer. Now it's a compassion on a level where, one, you know, I would like to get him something to eat, but you know what's going to happen in three, maybe four hours? He's going to be hungry again. So I'm, I'm going to get him something to eat, Let me try to give him a piece of the bread that lasts forever. That lasts for the rest of eternity. That's why I always keep gospel tracks in my truck. Uh, You know, it's it's that I don't want to see this person end up in hell. I'm sure many of you are familiar with uh, Charles Spurgeon. I can't remember the exact quote to save my life, but he made a quote something along these lines. If you don't have a heart for the lost, then you can be assured yourself is not saved. Wow. (laughs) Boy, that can be a smack in the face to us at times, isn't it? Because we really just want to stay in our own little bubble. You know, I, I don't care so much. About that person that I'm willing to make myself, you know, look dumb by, you know, trying to show the gospel or them not like me or cause some conflict, you know, just on the account of me wanting to not see them go to hell. Like I care about them, but, you know, maybe not that much. If you pray with belief, God will give you this compassion. And I can testify because he's done it for me. So, practical. So how can these verses change me? Uh, I got two things to discuss <clears throat> in regard to this. And I hope this helps everyone on a day-to-day basis. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's not everyone in this room packing up and, you know, going to Nigeria to try to witness the gospel, you know, in a hostile environment. It's, it's not those things that make or break, you know, our serving Christ. It's our day Today interactions with people, because I've said this before. As much as I would love to live on a deserted island, you know, with just me and Layla, and not have to deal with people at all, you know, just live until God calls me, you know, that it seems like a dream. But that's not being obedient to God. It comes down to our behavior on a day-to-day basis. So I'd like to start with this right here. Um, And one of the two things, number one, dealing with failures and shortcomings. You want to know one of the things that's hindered me probably the most in my life from wanting to show love and compassion is my own personal failures and shortcomings. I'm sure many of us can relate to this right here. When you fail, when you say something that you really shouldn't have said, you behaved in a way you know good and well you shouldn't have behaved. You talked to someone in a way you know you shouldn't have talked to them, but you know you did it anyway. It's just part of our fallenness of dealing with each other. And then it, for me, it's just always been like a setback afterwards. How do we deal with that in a way that motivates us? Uh, 1 John 3 uh Chapter three, verse three, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. One way that helps me deal with personal failure is going through and purging anything in my life that becomes a hindrance to me following Christ. This isn't something you do one time and then you're done. I have to do this on a day-to-day, on a week-to-week, on a month-to-month basis. It's a change in my habits. It's a change in what I surround myself with. I'm going to flip to Luke chapter 22 really quick because I want to uh, briefly read one of the biggest failures of a Christian we see in the entire Bible. Luke chapter 22 verse 31 this is of course jesus (coughs) speaking before he is betrayed simon simon behold satan has demanded to sift you all like wheat but i have prayed earnestly for you that your faith may not fail. And you, once you have returned, strengthen your brothers. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go to both prison and to death. And he said, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. That, my friends, is a failure. That was one of the biggest Christian failures in the entire Bible right there. I mean, none of us in this room, you know, we've all failed. But none of us in this room has ever looked Jesus himself right in the eyes and said, I do not know the man. Now, after failures... Generally, we grieve over our guilt, don't we? We know we're guilty. We know we've done wrong. Imagine if you had done that wrong right there. That's something I'm sure Peter never forgot to the day that he died. That's a big failure. But notice what Jesus said before that. Look here in um, <clears throat> verse 32. Verse 32. But I prayed earnestly for you that your faith may not fail. So one point I'd like to add in here is just because you have failed does not mean your entire faith has failed. That's one thing that's been a huge encouragement to me. Because I think if I fail you know, and you, you start receding a little bit to the point to where it's like, am I even saved? You know, if I'm saved, how in the world, you know, could I do this or do that or even talk like that, you know, or so on? Jesus is the one who holds our faith. And he said, you can never escape my grasp. And you, once you have returned, listen to this, strengthen your brothers. I heard one pastor say this, it's it's okay not to be okay but it's not okay to stay that way. Whenever we have those personal failures, those shortcomings of not loving, we recognize it, we grieve over it, we confess it to our Father. And then look at what Jesus charged Peter with in this massive failure. Strengthen your brothers. Whenever you fail, I can't emphasize this enough, guys. Don't quit. Anyone in this room who've ever played sports before, generally you know what it is to fail. To miss the ball, to miss that catch. The one thing that could have made, you know, the games different and you goofed and the team lost. Guys, when you have personal failures, you cannot fail. But rather, let that be a reason to draw closer to God. Realize where you fell and come back and strengthen others who have failed. How many of you um, know on the sports teams people who are like the one-man show? Many of us know at least people in real life, if not probably in a real sports team that are like that, right? The church is not a one man show. Even a pastor n- should never make or break a church. It's the team that's already here that makes the difference. That's been one thing I've been able to witness in this church just since I've been here. When I first came here, I didn't see a pastor. You know, even when Kyle was here, there was still a firm bond of believers. Through that trial, you want to know one of the things that I, I've never seen it before in my life. I haven't. You want to know one of the things that blew my mind? You're all still here. That bond of peace, that bond of Christ, despite the trials. You're still here. And you know what? I haven't seen one of you be hostile to one another here as a result of someone's failure or someone did this wrong or maybe someone could have done this better. But you know what I saw? I can't say about anything that I didn't see, but you know what I saw? Mercy, forgiveness, and an extensive arm of compassion for one another. You know, that was, how could I not want to join this church when this is what I'm seeing? So guys, what I'm preaching on right now, this is not just new information to anyone in this room, or I don't think it is anyway. This is a reminder. This is an encouragement of what you're doing right, but don't run the race in a way to where you just start coasting. Keep growing. Keep showing that love especially for the intro the extroverts I think have it a little bit easier I'm not one so I can't really speak but the introverts keep learning how to love because when you do it for one another Jesus says you do it for Christ himself so don't give up in your shortcomings and your failures let that be motivation because remember God's mercies are new every once a year, right? (laughs) Thankfully, that's not true. Every morning. So you want to know the difference about what we believe in all other false religions out there? Is God gives us endless new beginnings every single morning. They can't even write a fairy tale about someone who loves like the God we serve. So, remember, no matter how you failed, you are never beyond God restoring you to be able to strengthen one another. I'm flipping to 1 Peter chapter 1 really quick. And I need to wrap this up because I'm sure some stomachs are rumbling <laughs> First Peter chapter 1 verse 6 In this you greatly rejoice even though now for a little while if necessary you have been grieved by various trials so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold which is perishable even though tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ guys Trials, as bad as we hate trials, trials are one of the biggest blessings that God gives humans. Because trials show what's really on the inside. Do you come on the other side of a trial saying, glory be to God, I trust my Master. Whether I'm rich, whether I'm poor, whether I'm clothed, whether I'm naked, whether I have everything, or whether I have nothing, my life doesn't belong to me, it belongs to my Master, and I'm going to give Him praise no matter of the exterior circumstances in my life. If that's your mentality on the other side of a trial, guys, that's the proof Of your faith. I would say there's more than probably 50% of Christendom, they struggle with this proof so, so much because they think at any moment, man, I've lost my salvation, and now I've got to get it again. You can never know that you're truly saved. Guys, God says you can know that you're truly saved. He gives us trials for the proof. Not only that, but who's strong enough to take us out of his hand? None, right? Not even yourself. Use scripture endlessly in your life. I heard a joke, I think it was the day before yesterday, there was a woman, a single woman, she was living by herself. And uh, someone broke in the home, kicked in the door. And uh, the woman, being afraid, she uh, called 911, but she heard, she heard the, the footsteps getting closer to her door, and she yelled, Acts 2.38, which uh, says, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. She didn't hear any more fumbling around or anything after that, and the cops got there, and the robber, he was just sitting there. And they said, uh, you know, sir, we, you're under arrest, but we got to ask, why did you stop? And he said, I heard her yell, axe 238. I thought she had an axe in 238s. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's a little bit, you know, that's funny, but, you know, not necessarily use Scripture in that type of context, but guys... Scripture will change you because God has something every psychiatrist on the planet wishes they had. God has a life-changing Word. But do we resist it for our own selfishness? And uh, I'll end with number two. I don't have time to go over all the Scriptures, unfortunately. Unfortunately. But number two, loving in a way that pleases our master. That is when we serve one another. Because remember, we are a vessel for our God. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We are a temple. You know, when we were on the cruise ship, the workers, they're amazing. If you've been on a cruise, you probably know what I'm talking about. You know, it's just like, you know, they are so happy. You know, do you need anything, sir? Is there anything I can do for you? Okay, you know, yes, you know, thank you, sir. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, when you sit down for dinner, you know, they're putting the napkins in your lap. And I mean, you know, they're just some of the greatest servants there. And it kind of stirred me up on the inside, like, wow, that's what a servant is. He came, you know, to take my order. And of course, you know, you can see this at any restaurant. When I said, you know, I wanted this, he didn't say, well, okay, you know, I want this, so I'm going to give you this. What was his place in that scenario? To serve, right? So you know what he did. He didn't focus on what he wanted. His focus was what I wanted. We see in Philippians 2, and I won't flip there, but we're supposed to be regarding one another as more important than our own selves. And see, this isn't a suggestion, but rather this is a command. This is, see, God has placed us in charge of everything that He's put at our disposal within life. And He's commanded us to use that vessel to love other people and to let His love be shown through our actions and our behaviors. And i got to give this example because I know that everyone can kind of relate to this right here. Uh, I wanted to say this last time I was preaching, but I never got around to it. Uh, You know, Anthony is a flight instructor, and uh, he's my flight instructor. Best in the world, by the way. So we were coming in for a landing, and uh, we landed, we put it down. The gas station, you know, it's right over here. And I started getting down, you know, a little bit hard on the brakes. You know, I wanted to make the turn rather than going all the way to the end of the runway and then, you know, taxiing back and um i I can't remember how exactly you know what was said but it was basically you know you know be a little easy on the brakes here and you know i was like okay you know i was just trying to make that right there and he was explaining you know when you have your own plane one day you know you can put down on those brakes you know that's fine (laughs) but and my boss's plane we don't want to do the brakes like that you know basically you know we want them to last as long as possible That had a huge impact on me that I I don't even know how many months ago that happened, but I still remember that because, wow, that is a servant in whom the boss can truly trust his possessions to to take the best care of what he has been entrusted with. Are we that trustworthy with this body, with those under us? that God has entrusted us with, that even when we think the Master is not watching, that He's not around, that He wouldn't even know even if we did do this, that the Master would still be pleased with how we're loving one another, with how we're seeing everyone else as more important than our own selves, with our attitude, with our heartfelt compassion about really caring about the answer of how are you doing today. those parables that we started with, that's what this circle's right to. It's you've been entrusted with a certain house, a certain income, certain people in your life, spouses, kids, family members, uh, friends, people around you. You have a lot that the Master has entrusted you with. Now, are you taking care of what you, what you have in your power to take care of? Like Anthony wanted to take care of those breaks? I guarantee you, if Ivan would have come around and he would have known that scenario, what do you think he would have, even if he didn't say it, what do you think he would have thought of that scenario? He would have thought, wow, I really did get the right person for the job. Everyone wants someone working for them who's going to take care of their stuff everybody does we're working for Christ if he showed up right now which he's already said multiple times it's going to be at a time the last time you would ever think it would be and if you think well I don't know I'm pretty clever I can at least you know probably guess the right area you know what we're talking about God (laughs) we're talking about the one who blinds eyes who can blind hearts who can give understanding, who can withhold understanding. It'll be in an hour that you don't expect. So the point of this is, are you living this today? You may say, well, yes and no, you know, failures. Guys, use your failures to help strengthen other people who may be struggling with failures. And if I can leave you guys with anything, it's this right here. Care about the answers when you ask someone, how are you doing today? That sounds so simple. It sounds trivial. But guys, that has such a deeper meaning. That's saying, I care if you're having a good day or a bad day, and if you're having a bad day, you know what that makes me? It's starting to make me feel more and more and more like a snowball. How can I make that day better? I can't take away the person's circumstances. I can't you know, put their life upside down. How can I do something that just might be encouraging to that person? So now, if Jesus showed up today would he say, well done, good and faithful slave. I was down in the dumps. You gave me a word of encouragement. You asked me how my day was, and you really cared about the answer, and you didn't even know who I was. You didn't even know that you were doing it for me. So how are we doing? Let's pray. God, we come before you right now in awe of your mercy, your compassion. God, not just a a compassion that is just exterior, just on the surface, but deeply you're disgusted with us. But God, it says that you take great pleasure in us. You take great pleasure in refining us, in sanctifying us, and cleansing us. God, let us use you as our example as to how we should live. Lord, we want to live lives pleasing in your sight. That we know we don't belong to our own self. It's not our life that we have, Lord, but we've been purchased. Not by gold or silver or riches or dollars, but God, we've been purchased by you with your own precious blood. Lord, what could be more valuable? And you did it because you had a heartfelt care and compassion for us. God, I ask that you please, every person in this room right now, stir our hearts in a manner. To, there's, we can't have this compassion on our own. It's impossible, Lord. But Lord, we trust that you are powerful enough to give us that compassion for one another. Who is more powerful than the Lord God Almighty? The one who created everything and stretched the heavens out. God, you're the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. There is none like you and there's none who can contend your power. We are your slaves and your subjects. Please give us the strength to faithfully serve you. And we don't pray that questioning, will it happen? But God, we believe that you will give us that power. So Lord, thank you. Please protect us from the evil one this week. And to yours is all the glory, all power and authority for all time and beyond. And it's through the holy name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at FCCSOBO.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, and we hope you have a wonderful week.